Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our reflection for today will be when Jesus speaks and says, Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know, and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, send your spirit to us this day, that we might know you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and never turn you away. Amen. Well, it's hard not to get tongue-tied when we're speaking the Athanasian Creed. And yet, what a glorious confession. It was shaped over hundreds of years and necessary for the church. Many times when we repeat the creeds or those maxims or proverbs from the people of old, the reason why we stumble over them is because we haven't quite tested them yet. They haven't become fully real to us. And yet for those who are struggling with who God is back in those times, these were statements of belief and trust. These were the very words they clung to when all else around them seemed dark. They were light and everything else was dim. So we must see that the knowledge of God is truly our aim. To know God and to love Him. That is what creatures do. All creatures do this, but human beings most especially, for we are created in His image. The only way to be fully human is to know God, and to know Him in His fullness. And that is why sin is such an evil and such a corruption. For it causes us to be ignorant of God and in rebellion against Him. So this day, we reflect on the Holy Trinity. And our words in the Athanasian Creed are very clear. Whoever does not hold this faith, that is, whoever does not know and believe these things, that person will be eternally condemned. So how much does it matter that you know who the Trinity is? This Father, this Son, this Holy Spirit. Does it matter? Of course it does. It matters for your eternal salvation. So then let us pay more close attention to the things we have been taught, lest we drift away. Our lesson this day is based on what Jesus has said. For Jesus died to give you the knowledge of God, which gives salvation. This is the point of his crucifixion, that he can bring you once again to a full knowledge of who God is. And therefore, we must see that the fulfillment of the law is actually nothing more than knowing God. Of course, love is included. But true knowledge also includes true love. For we love the truth. And to know is to know what the truth is. Now, the Ten Commandments start with the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. If you fail at that point, all the other commandments are irrelevant. No matter how many others that you keep, you cannot continue to keep them unless you know who God is. And so the key to our Christian life is to know God. And this Athanasian Creed is a good reflection because all these things are revealed to us in Holy Scripture. All these things are given to us by God so that we may be saved. 
So let this then be our reflection today. Now there are different kinds of knowledge. There is natural knowledge, that is knowledge that can be gleaned from nature, but there is also revealed knowledge. That is knowledge that cannot be gotten unless someone gives it to you. The knowledge of the Trinity must be given. It is a gift, it is a revelation. But also, there is some of God still in nature that we can see. You see, natural knowledge can be gained by using human reason and imitation. This is the process that we use each time we try to gain knowledge of something. For instance, if you want to know what a flower is, we must use our thoughts to organize what it's made of, what it is, what it's for, and what made it occur. If we know these things, we have knowledge. And because it is a plant, we use our senses in order to gain this knowledge. That is what natural knowledge is and does. It can gain truths. And we must not throw this aside. It is not as if natural knowledge doesn't matter. It's created by God. And in our day, one of the saddest things is that people cannot come to a knowledge of the truth because they've rejected natural knowledge. They no longer think we can arrive at anything. In the university system, this is called relativism uh, or individualism or some other ism. But the point is, truth is not solid and absolute. But rather, it is different for everyone in every case. Now, if we get natural knowledge wrong, how much more do we get revealed knowledge wrong? But the full knowledge of God cannot be gained by natural knowledge. And therefore, we need Him to reveal it to us. But still, there are some things about God that we can know from nature. It tells us about His eternal power and about His Godhead or His divinity. The fact that there is a God. These things, as Paul tells us in Romans 1, are things you can know. When you are in wonder at a simple animal who is running around, all of his muscles working at the same time, and think to yourself, something must have created this. That's the point. There is a God, and he made all things. There is a creator. But natural knowledge can't tell you the nature of this God. But we also know his power. If any of you have experienced any major storms or any of the wonders in nature that cause us to fear and to know that we are very small and God is very large, the power of God is seen in these things. Now the reason why Paul speaks of this in Romans is because we are all guilty, everyone. Because what can be known of God, even in nature, should convict us, should tell us that we should treat this, whoever it is, as God. And yet, we do not. And so even by natural knowledge, we have turned away from God. And there is the point of sin. To know God, even in nature, has been corrupted for us. So that we see the fall even in our natural knowledge, even in the things we can know from creation. All of it has been turned on its head. And that is why Paul, in Romans, continues down this path. 
First, he starts with what can be known of God in nature, his eternal power and his godness. But now that we are considered guilty, this is what Paul says. They knew God, but they did not glorify or thank him. And that then is our greatest weakness as sinners. For even though we know there is a God, we either reject him fully or treat him as some among many. And therefore, we are held accountable to the only God who is our creator. As sinners, even when God reveals himself to our reason and nature, we rebel against him. And that is the nature of sin, that we treat ourselves or others as God. But Paul says something vital for our time after this. When you lose the knowledge of God and when you treat him as if he's not, you lose all knowledge. Paul says, you become futile in your thinking, and our foolish hearts become darker and darker. And that is what is happening in our time, as it has happened throughout history, is that our thoughts become foolish, for we have rejected God. This is what evolution has done to our entire culture in America, and of course throughout the world now. But we have bought in to the idea that Everything is created by random chance. And once you do that, once you take the step to reject God completely, or at least to write him out of the picture so that he is unnecessary, now your thoughts become foolish and your hearts become ever darker. And so we should have no reason to wonder why the things are the way they are today. The explanation of it is very clear. The rejection of God causes men to become fools. And the more foolish we become, strangely, the wiser we think we are. So, Paul continues, In our time of foolishness, we consider wisdom to be foolish and foolishness to be wisdom. We turn everything on its head. We make things that are lies the truth. And we consider the truth a lie. Now that's a little abstract, so let's get down to what it really looks like in our lives. Now Paul, he puts it into two categories, the body and the mind. So first we become confused in our bodies. The family in our time is bad. But promiscuity is good. Now this is again trading wisdom for foolishness. And yet, all of our laws have actually enshrined this in our culture. So that getting a divorce is easy. And that you can marry whoever you want, or whatever you want. And so, we also have men and women, this dichotomy, these creaturely bodies you have, those are bad. But if you say that there aren't any categories, as in this transgender movement, that's good. And you can't put categories on anyone or anything. Because remember, there is no truth. And we feel this now daily. The month of June is considered by the U.S. government as Pride Month. So you see how deep it is among us and our culture. That we have turned knowledge on its head, even natural knowledge, and traded it for lies. And so the truth then becomes a lie to us.
people and animals in our day are considered to be the same value. There is no difference between them, and we should treat them the same. If you watch any of the nature shows, humans are now encroaching, and they should be limited and stopped so that the creatures can thrive. Well, Paul concludes all this, and these are all having to do with the body. He concludes all this with this final issue. Men give up relation with women and give themselves to men. And women give up relation with women and give themselves to women. And that's how our bodily corruption ends, at least in the words of Paul. This is our time. Then this is what's happening. This is what happens when an entire nation rejects God and when it trades the truth of God for a lie, both in revealed knowledge and natural knowledge. But Paul continues with our minds. And he says, also in our minds, we have become envious, full of strife. We are disobedient to our parents. And finally, we don't just do these things in body and mind. We give approval to those who do them. Now that's a fine picture if we want to point the finger, but we can't point the finger at others first. Because Paul, by chapter 3, tells us that this is us. We are the darkened ones. And our reason, if left unchecked and left without the light of God, will always come to this point. The nature of sin is to bring us deeper into darkness. And its danger is always there. And if we do not have some saving, some revelation to save us, then we will continue down that path until we destroy ourselves and God judges us. This should put us all not in a position of judgment, but rather in a position of repentance. That we would cry out to God to help us from this evil time. So that we too would be spared. But fortunately, right before this, Paul speaks to us about the power of God. It is in the gospel. For the law of God does indeed show us how dark we are. How foolish we have become. And we must then see clearly, by the knowledge of God, what we have become. We have become less than human. But Jesus came to make us man again. And to restore his image to us. And this is why we need him. Jesus alone can restore us from this fall by his suffering on the cross. Bringing full revealed knowledge of God to us. Into our very hearts. This is the crucifixion. This is why John starts his gospel in this way. The word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh. And the light dwelt among us. But the darkness did not understand it. But Jesus did not stop because we did not understand. He knew we couldn't understand. That's why by chapter 3, when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus, he says, are you a teacher? And you don't know? But I speak what I know. See, Jesus was with the Father from the beginning and from the foundation of the world. He planned your salvation. He knew you would be in this time in these struggles, in this suffering. And that's why he sent Jesus to save you, to bring you back to the light and to give you a knowledge of God that would save your soul and your body. And this is our great relief 
and our great peace. To know God is to know Him in Christ. That is true knowledge of God, is to know that He has sent His only begotten Son to save you. You see that often quoted verse in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, is yours. Who is God in that passage? Well, it says he sent his only son. He defines himself as father. And so the father sends Jesus. And Jesus then comes to die. If you wish to know the heart of God and see his true identity, look on Jesus. All of his life was for your sake. His conception, his birth, his miracles, his righteousness, and finally, his death on the cross. This is now the definition of our life. For if we would remain in the life we had at birth, we are in death. If we remain in darkness, we will die forever. But Christ has come, and he has redeemed us in body, making our bodies new because of his body. For remember what Paul says, although this flesh is passing away, we will be glorious like him. And the day of Jesus' resurrection, it must have been astonishing that he was still in his body. And yet, what does he tell those who are gathered around? He says, touch my flesh. A spirit does not have flesh and bones like I do. This is the Jesus who redeems our bodies and will make your body new. His resurrection is yours, so that you may have fellowship with Father, Son, and Spirit. But also, he renews your minds. He says, take every thought captive to Christ. And there we see that we have a beginning, for the Holy Spirit has come. And he has planted this knowledge, not just in your mind, but he has given you a new heart. Because knowing God is to be Christian. That is why in our Athanasian Creed we say, by this faith, faith has a content. Because it is not the faith that saves you, but Jesus and your faith which holds on to Jesus. Maybe in a simpler way, we can say, do you ever trust someone that you don't know? Well, of course not. You don't know them. So how can you trust them? But here in our Gospel, Jesus tells us who God is. And he gives us this knowledge to bring us to trust in him. The Holy Spirit's work is to convict us of our foolishness so that we no longer remain in it, but rather that we are converted to Christ. But to be converted, to be a Christian, means to have the true knowledge of God. So when we say the creed, when you say it in your homes, and we repeat it time and time again, don't say it as if it is some mantra, as if, oh, well, you know, one plus one is two, and five plus five is ten, and... But instead, read it like a love letter. Read it like those things that are most precious to you, as if you were telling your daughter or your son about your wife or about your husband, as if you were relating to your grandchildren about your father, that is what the Trinity is to us. It is not an abstract problem or a mathematical equation. It is our living and loving God. So may this knowledge of God grow in you as you continue in Jesus Christ. 
For we know where Jesus is. He is here. And we know how to receive the knowledge of Him. Namely, as we reflect on the Scriptures. We are filled with the Holy Spirit this day. We have received His preaching and His Word. May He ever continue to give you His knowledge. For as we come this day to receive the Lord's Supper, as baptized children of God, we receive unity with Jesus. And that, dear Christians, is knowing God. May the Lord bless you in this knowledge always. Amen. And now may the peace which passes understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Amen.